0: Thanks for tuning in to High Point Assembly's podcast where you're going to hear a life-giving message that we hope will encourage you no matter where you are in your walk with Christ. Check out our website at highpointassembly.org for more podcasts, information, and how to join us live in person or online every Sunday. We hope this message blesses you wherever you may be listening from. And remember, no matter where you're at, you belong. Well, it is no secret that we are living in some very interesting times. Politically, I don't think we have ever been more divided as a nation than we are today. And when you talk about civility, let's just say civility is pretty much non-existent. Race relations in America are at a boiling point. COVID-19 has put life on hold for us in so many ways, and we are now experiencing things in our nation that we've never experienced before. Our economy that was brought to a standstill from the stay-at-home orders is slowly trying to restart under some very difficult restrictions imposed by government health officials. And the restrictions aren't just on businesses, but they're even on us here at the church and on us individually as well. And because we are a people who live in a free land, and, and we are used to our unlimited freedoms, when those freedoms are restricted, we don't always respond well to it. And it's no different in the body of Christ. I've seen some very interesting posts on social media from Christians that have made me scratch my head proclamations and opinions have been thrown out there that lead me to wonder if some followers of Jesus actually believe what they profess they believe. Because so much of what I have seen lacks Christ-likeness. So much of it lacks faith and lacks the trust that we, we covered over the last four weeks. So much of it seemingly lacks the assurance of an amazing future, an amazing promise, We're living a life in Christ Jesus. And I firmly believe that the church, the body of Christ, we're at a crossroad. We are literally at a crossroad right now. We have a golden opportunity to be agents of of Christ's love and hope and change by the way that we live and by the way we respond to all these many difficulties. Or we can go along with the crowd. And we can simply be another voice with another, another opinion. You see, I believe that God is offering us an opportunity to be difference makers through all of these confusing days that we are living in. I believe that he is giving us a chance to show an unbelieving world just how wonderful, just how secure it is to live a life as a redeemed follower of Jesus Christ. But I fear much of the look some have shown lately just isn't much different than what they're seeing from everybody else. And I believe that that grieves the heart of God. I'd like you to turn your Bibles to the book of Psalm chapter 1. Today we are going to begin a new series called Grow. It's a series that is to remind us of the things that we must do if we want to stay spiritually strong in a culture that is weaker than I have ever seen it. To be spiritually strong, the Word of God makes clear how we are to live, how we are to think, how we are to respond and approach life every day. Because it makes all the difference in the world with regard to how we respond to difficult times and difficult people and difficult circumstances. And I believe with all of my heart that our Lord wants us to shine brightly in all of this darkness around us and be examples of His love. And this morning, I want to share just one example that is found in God's Word on how we go about continuing to shine. Because to shine, ladies and gentlemen, we have to be spiritually strong. We're going to be reading from Psalm chapter 1 verses 1 through 6, and it is a scripture passage that I want you to really think about as we read it together. I want you to take these words, and I want you to visually imagine in your mind what the psalmist is expressing here, and allow the imagery to help you to understand this vital truth that we need to live by. Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 through 6, the psalmist writes, blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of the mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water. Chris talked about that water today. Which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Psalm chapter 1 is known as a wisdom psalm. There are many kinds of psalms. There are psalms of ascent, there are praise psalms, there are lament psalms, but this is a wisdom psalm because it contrasts two different ways of life. First, there is a way of life that leads to blessing. It leads to vitality, productivity, and security. While secondly, there is a way of life that leads to unhappiness, unproductivity, cursedness, and ultimately judgment. The psalmist uses some very powerful imagery to present us with this contrast in a very vivid, and a very memorable way. He contrasts a tree with some good old-fashioned chaff. And I'll explain to you what chaff is in a minute. But here's the deal. If a tree is growing, going to grow and be strong and beautiful and productive, then it's gonna to have to, it's gonna to have to be near a source of water. So the psalmist says this, imagine a tree that is planted by streams of water that will never lack for sustenance. It will yield its fruit in season, and its leaves will never wither. You know, sometimes you'll look at a a yard, in someone's yard, it might be your own yard, and you'll see a tree that you know is in trouble because the leaves are, are, are turning, and they're shriveling up, and they're turning brown. Well, the psalmist says that that will never happen to a Psalm chapter 1 tree because it is planted by streams of water. So the psalmist is stirring our imagination here by saying this tree is a mighty fine tree. It's in the best condition possible. It is healthy, it is strong, and it bears fruit. Now, because Psalm 1, as I said, is a contrast psalm, the writer has to find a polar opposite of this mighty fine tree. So he brilliantly chooses a thing called chaff, or a substance called chaff. Does anybody know what chaff is? Well, chaff looks a lot like the cereal that my wife eats in the morning sometimes. You know that healthy cereal stuff? Actually, chaff is the seed coverings and the plant debris that has to be separated from the actual grain that the farmers are harvesting. Chaff gets mixed all in with the valuable stuff that's going to be sold at the market, and it has to be removed. No one wants to buy chaff because chaff is dead. Chaff tastes dead, and it looks dead, and it is worthless. So harvesters in ancient time, they would, they would take baskets full of grain and chaff, and they'd throw it up in the air, And and because chaff is lighter than the grain itself, the wind blows the chaff away. It settles on the ground where it is then trampled into the dirt. It becomes absolutely useless while the grain that is heavier falls to the feet of the harvester. So the psalmist says, you got to see the contrast to know where I'm taking you on this journey. Imagine a beautiful tree that is planted by streams of water. It is green, and it yields fruit in its season, and its leaves will never wither. And it's going to be here 50 or 100 or 200 years from now or longer. Well, then you have the chaff. You have this worthless dead stuff that gets blown away. It gets trampled underneath feet. And he wants to make absolutely sure that you have those two pictures etched into your mind. And then he kind of turns the knife into the stomach of his readers through this subtle illustration. Your and my life is a journey. And that journey will either wind up becoming a tree someday, or we will wind up becoming like chaff. There's just two paths. You're either going to be a tree, or you're going to be chaff that is trampled underfoot, and the choice is basically up to you. If you want to end up like a tree, then you're going to have to lower your engagement level in certain kinds of activities. And conversely, you are going to have to increase your level of activity within other sorts of things. In other words, you're going to have to pull back from some unproductive things, and you're going to have to, you're going to, have to dive into certain things that are designed to keep you spiritually strong. And in verse 1, The psalmist comes right out, and he tells those of us who choose to become tree-like, blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers. He's saying it's got to stop. It's got to stop today unless you want to become chaff. Now, some of you are thinking, I'm following you, Pastor David, but what is all this stuff that has to stop? Because honestly, it was written a long time ago. And I don't honestly know exactly what you're getting at. Psalm 1 is saying if you are serious about your relationship with Jesus Christ, you might need to quit hanging out in certain environments where you spend some of your time. You'll need to stop dabbling in, in some ideologies. You might, it might mean that you need to quit hanging around with certain people. You might need to put some distance between you and certain forms of, of media or eliminate certain activities that you have habitually been a part of in the past. The psalmist is very clear about this. There are some destructive things that are going to have to stop if you want to truly be that tree as depicted in this scripture. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians ten twenty three, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but not all things edify. In this text, Paul is making the point that as followers of Jesus, we enjoy an enormous amount of freedom in our Christian faith. The essence of Christianity, ladies and gentlemen, is not a list of 100 rules that you have to keep, and it's not a series of religious hoops that you have to jump through or else. At its core, at its very core, Christianity is not legalistic. Christianity is, is, is deeply relational. And how I wish the unsaved and the lost world would understand this concept. Christianity at its very core is a human being enjoying a relationship with Almighty God made possible through the redemptive work of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. It's interacting with God throughout the course of our day, feeling and experiencing his presence and his power and receiving his strength and his guidance. It's it's a continual two-way dialogue. In real terms, it is a relationship. Now, there are some activities that enhance your relationship with Christ while other activities or relationships or environments that detract from your relationship with Christ. So Paul is saying, without getting all legalistic here about this, figure out what it is that enhances your relationship with Christ and those things that detract from your relationship with Christ, and then make some courageous choices. Well, like the Apostle Paul, the psalmist is saying a similar thing. There are some people, engagements, activities, and environments that might seem fine and dandy to nine out of ten people that you know. But the net, net effect that those people, those engagements, those activities, and those environments have on you is that they slowly deaden you to God. It makes him seem distant and quiet and powerless These things might not be evil in and of themselves, but they suck the life out of your relationship with Jesus. And so the psalmist is saying that it is your job to sort out whatever kind of things are deadening your relationship with God and to cut those things, eliminate those things out of your life. Before I committed my life to Jesus, I used to go to clubs and drink with the other salesmen after we worked a long day at the trade shows that I used to work. And after Jesus saved me, he brought me through some major changes in how I live my life. But I thought because these guys were my friends that I would still go with them and I would still hang out with them in that club environment. But it became clear to me, two seconds walking into the door, in my spirit, that this wasn't a productive use of my time. And it was no way enhancing my relationship with Jesus. I, I've been to these places enough times to realize that two major things occur in that kind of an environment. Number one, usually people are drinking in order to alter their state of being. And I believe with all my heart that God never intended for us to be out of control of our faculties. I just don't think that's right. When you are out of control of your faculties, you do stupid stuff. And that's why he doesn't want us to be out of control of our faculties, but instead to be guided by the Holy Spirit. Secondly, it's a place where men and women are hooking up, it's like a meat market. And I remember that moment when I realized that to be their friend didn't mean that I had to go to the clubs with them at night, I could be who I was. And I'd have to hang out in a place that for me was totally unproductive and contrary to what I believe that God wanted for for me. And I decided that I wasn't going to waste any more time being in environments that was in no way drawing me closer to my relationship with Christ. And so what the Apostle Paul is saying here is simple. It's certainly lawful to go into places like that. It's just probably not edifying. And it's certainly not life-giving. And it is most certainly not leading you to a life down the path of becoming more like a tree. It'll lead you down the path of becoming more like chaff. So here's my first question for you today. Do any of you frequent environments that might be well within biblical parameters, but are environments that literally deaden your soul? They are environments that suck the life out of you and wind up making God feel distant, And quiet and powerless in your life? How much of life have you wasted in some of these environments that are coming into your mind right now as I'm talking about this? How much debtor does one soul have to get before you finally say enough is enough, I'm not going to waste any more time in this kind of an environment? because it turns my inner world, my inner self, my inner being into chaff. And it doesn't set me up to be like a tree that is planted by streams of water, a tree that yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. And, and whatever it does prospers. Here's another one. And I, you're going to, pastor's meddling. I'm not meddling. I'm speaking truth to you. Here's another one. Studies show the average American watches four and a half hours of television a day. In a 65-year lifespan, that equals nine years in front of the tube. And I guess you can't call it a tube anymore. They're LED panels, excuse me. Do a little test the next time that you spend four hours in front of your TV set and take an inventory of how your soul feels afterward. It is not sinful or illegal to watch television, no. Unless, depending on what you're watching, there's filth that you watch that I believe is sinful to watch. But I would just ask you to take an inventory of, after you watch hours of your favorite TV programs, and ask yourself, does this activity have a tree-like growing effect on me, or does it have a a chaff-like deadening effect on my life? Did it have an an ill-feeling effect on me, or was it just sort of medicating me and burning up my time? Did it, did it awaken my soul to God, or did it deaden my spirit just a little bit more? We need to take those kinds of inventories more frequently in our life, because I know that it is your desire to want to be more tree-like in the future. We've already all lived enough years and time in Chaffsville, and we shouldn't want any more of that. I was driving home from the Sacramento Airport a week ago Saturday night after attending my friend's funeral I told you about in Phoenix, and I was listening to the radio when all of a sudden I was becoming grieved by the news that I was hearing. So I turned the radio off, and you know what I did? I began to sing hymns. And I was belting them out while I was driving northbound on I-5. I sounded like George Beverly Shea. you young people, he was with Billy Graham and he was a great vocalist, so anyway. And while I was singing, I felt God's presence so real and so powerfully in my car because my soul was awakened and I felt alive. And that led to prayer and that led to worship. How many of you need to break away from all of the the noise and all of the static that fills every moment of your day and engage yourself in something spiritual that will awaken your soul. I mentioned something two weeks ago about social media posts and how we are all entitled to an opinion, but I don't think an opinion has ever changed anything that I'm aware of in history. It's prayer that changes things. And as followers of Jesus Christ, we got to do more praying and we got to do less posting. I made that very clear. I believe that with all my heart. I just want to say there is nothing wrong with allowing your viewpoints to be known unless you are maligning someone else in the process. But how many of you realize that we've become addicted to our digital devices? All of them. It's more than just your smartphone, which in and of itself has everything you would ever need in the world, but we have laptops and we have iPads and we have Everything. Just earbuds. The the list goes on and on. We become so addicted that we are constantly on Twitter and Facebook and Snapchat, and we're texting and we're posting statements and forwarding photos and all the things that we like or dislike. And it's certainly not sinful to do that. Unless, of course, again, you are maligning an individual or you are acting unchrist-like. The point is that you and I can sort of get addicted to engaging with everyone about everything all of the time, but there's a net effect on you. One day you realize these social media things that you get so wrapped up into aren't bad. It's just they're not moving you forward. to becoming more like a tree. You say to yourself, I'm doing just what everybody else is doing, but it all is starting to feel a little bit like chaff. The point is that both Paul and the psalmist are making it simple, that, and and making a point very simple, and it's a point that we really need to hold on to. If you just drift in this culture, and you don't live intentionally for Jesus Christ, if you just get up and you go through your normal routine every single day like everybody else does, here's what will naturally happen. The drift will eventually, and most certainly, lead your life to a pile of chaff. That is the results of this, ladies and gentlemen. It's chaff. If you mindlessly engage with anyone or any activity, and in any environment, your inner person is going to shrivel up, and it's going to die. It is that simple. Your life will be caught up with a gust of wind like chaff and you'll be blown everywhere and you don't want to be the kind of man or woman that leads that kind of a life. However, the psalmist says, if there is anything in you that is inspired by the vision of a tree, by streams of living water, a tree that is bearing fruit in its season, whose leaves will never wither, and whatever it does prospers, then aspire toward that vision for your life. Well, then Psalm 1 verse 1 tells you exactly what to do in order to wind up like that. When he writes this, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. You may say, Pastor David, what does that mean? Well, delight simply means that you take joy or pleasure in doing something. The law of the Lord simply means the Bible, God's Word, the Old Testament, and the New Testament. Meditating on it simply means that you don't just check it off on your Bible reading list for the day. Instead, it means that you read it and you ponder it and you pray over it and you seek to absorb it and to apply it and to test it in your daily life and then go out and live the adventure of living like Jesus Christ. I did some research on the meaning of day and night and here's what I found. Are you ready? Day and night means day and night, it means regularly. Here's what God is. this is what God has laid upon my heart. This is the crux of my message. So I want you to listen to the next five minutes if you haven't been listening up to this point. After being your pastor of just under eight years, I am concerned that not enough of us delight in the law of the Lord. We just don't take a whole lot of time to meditate in his word day and night. I think too many of us move at a way too fast pace for our own good. And because our polluted culture surrounds us everywhere, we end up absorbing much more from our culture than we do from God's Word. And then we try to fit a little bit of the Bible in there and God's Word gets overwhelmed. It gets diminished by the intensity and the, and the vividly graphic images and messages that come our way every waking moment of every stinking day. And so this Bible, this, this, this book that is a written book, has a hard time competing with that flat screen TV and your laptop and your smartphone or the movies that you watch or the video games that you play or all the different activities that take up so much of your time. And what happens is we just sort of cave in. And we allow all of these these cultural influences to sweep over us and to form our opinions and our attitudes. And and that trickles down to our families and, and, and our children. And the Bible loses out for the competition of our time and our attention. And that concerns me because all that does, it leads us to becoming a pile of chaff. I'm concerned that too few of us actually establish a time where we meet with God, and we read, and we ponder, and we absorb, and we apply His Word to our lives. I'm concerned about parents who won't bring their kids to church on a consistent basis, and I'm not talking about under our current circumstances with COVID parents allowing everything else to take priority over what goes on here on Sundays. And please understand, you are setting an example for your kids, and they will follow it in their own adult life. I am equally concerned about Christians who do not emulate Christ-likeness in the workplace or on social media or anywhere throughout the day outside of these walls. You see, all the things that the, the Scriptures instruct us to do, when we do them, they have an effect that they carry on from generation to generation. It shows an unsaved world that, they're, that we are different, but we are different in a good way. And so my question is, are you concerned enough about becoming tree-like that you have established tree-building habits in your daily life? I want to remind you this morning that God loves you, and you matter to him. He designed you. The scriptures say that you are fearfully and you are wonderfully made, and part of your design, what makes you run, what makes you grow, what gives you the capacity to hit on all cylinders is the vitality, the encouragement, the the, the direction, the conviction, and the inspiration that comes from the Bible. God's holy word the book of all truth. Jesus said to his followers in John six sixty three, the words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. He's saying you need the kind of life that my words bring forth in you. When people started to follow, fall away from Jesus, following him, he came out and he asked his disciples once, are you going to do the same thing? And Peter answered Jesus in John six sixty eight. He said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Peter is saying, I've listened to all the other rabbis, and you alone have the words of life. Proverbs 4, verse 20 through 22, God says, My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them, and health to all their flesh. Psalm 119 16 says, I will delight myself in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Because when you remember, and when you dwell upon God's word, before you even realize it, your soul will feel awakened. Your soul will feel increasingly alive. You'll find yourself thinking more about God and tracking more closely with him throughout your day, you will feel and experience his presence and his power. And yes, you'll hear his whispers in your ear, and you'll gain life, and you'll receive encouragement from those promptings that he whispers to you throughout the day. And then when someone asks you, how's your day going? You'll say, I feel alive on the inside. This is a tree day for me and not a chaff day. I'd like you to imagine what would happen if every person here at High Point Assembly decided to say, no more chaff. I'm not going to sit, I'm not going to stand, I'm not going to walk nearby worthless, lifeless activities or relationships or environments any longer. No more chaff. And then what would happen if we said in new ways, I'm heading for tree building from this day forward? Imagine everyone using our commuting time going to and from work or our downtime each and every day in a creative way. What if we just used that time to listen to the Bible on audio or used our free time to study God's Word or to pray or to sing? It could be the most transforming moment and time of your day when you meditate on the Word of God, just like the psalmist instructs us to. Imagine exercising, or doing your chores, or or simply walking with your earbuds in, flowing with the words of truth, penetrating and filling your spirit, and your soul, and your mind. You would be strengthening not just your body at that moment through exercise, but you would be strengthening your spirit, your inner man. Imagine shutting off our TV sets and our computers for a time, and instead reading God's Word an investment of your time and attention that is essential for growth because without it, you will become chaff. Imagine if everybody who calls High Point their church would actually come to our Sunday morning worship services. I've lost count of how many times someone has come up to me after a service who was touched incredibly by the Holy Spirit. And oftentimes they'll have tears running down their face and they'll say to me, Pastor, I almost didn't come to church today. Now, if you've had one of those conversations with me, you know how it goes. I'll ask, help me understand why you almost didn't come to church today. And people say things like, well, things were chaotic in our house this morning, or the 49ers are playing on television today or we're thinking about, we were thinking about going to the lake instead, or it's raining so hard out, or it's so hot outside. The list of excuses goes on and on. And here's my response. If you are a serious-minded, tree-growing Christian, then you make the decision one time about how often you're going to come to church. You make a lifetime decision about coming here. You say, when my church assembles for worship, then I'm going to be there. Now, if there's a better place for you to grow than here at High Point Assembly, then go there and grow. But the important thing is that you grow. But if God has called you to this church, then, then grow here. Every time this body gathers together and assembles. Why? Because it's a kind of pattern that leads you to be a Psalm 1 kind of a tree for you, for your future, for your kids, and for your grandkids. But if you do the old, maybe once in a while when it's convenient approach, I'm sorry to tell you, but it's just going to lead you to the chaff pile. Imagine married couples who are stuck in some kind of an impasse in their marriage. The husband's meandering in his part of the home while the wife is dwelling on her side of the house because they're avoiding each other. But imagine the husband reaches out for his Bible and he turns to 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and he reads the love chapter and he walks over to his wife and he says to her, honey, can I read something to you? Love is patient. Love is kind. It is forgiving. Love believes the best. Love never gives up. Love never fails. And I want to love you the way the Bible says that I'm supposed to love you. Just like a tree guy should love his spouse. That's why I'm committing to love you from this moment forward. You can make your own choice about how you want to respond to this, but this is the kind of love that I'm going to start loving you with. Can you imagine the change in that marriage? Imagine one of us from High Point sinning terribly and publicly and getting so down on ourselves that we just want to give up, saying things like, I can't be a Christian. I feel so unworthy. I feel so filthy. I feel so dirty. But instead of giving up, we reach for the well-worn Bible and then we read these words in Psalm 51, 7. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. And as you read that, you feel an awakening in your soul. And you think, wait a minute, maybe I am redeemable. I can get back up on the track. And you do. Imagine a funeral service where tears are flowing like, like rivers and hearts are so heavy that people can barely function and a family member reaches for the Bible and has the strength to read Psalm 34:18. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. And the people hear those life-giving words and, and they sense God's gentle healing hands upon them and starting to mend their broken hearts. Imagine if every person they called High Point Assembly home had a Bible that we love so much that it has become worn and tattered over the years. It's been marked up and underlined with every conceivable color of ink possible. And maybe it even has dates marked in the inside margins with special moments with God. March 20th, I was lonely and God met me At this service on March 20th July the 10th I was ready to walk away from my relationship with Jesus because of my guilt but this this scripture salvaged my life imagine if every one of us had a Bible like that imagine if just a few days before you die you say to your loved ones who are surrounding your bed would you make sure that one thing gets put into my casket would you put my Bible under my hand because that is the book that led me to Jesus. It is the book that guided my path and convicted me in life, and it encouraged me, and it affirmed me when I needed it the most. It's the book that caused my life to be like a tree planted by streams of water producing fruit in its season. So would you just put it under my hands when I die? Can you imagine starting a tradition like that for your entire family to, fo- to follow? Imagine everyone at High Point not getting caught up in the ongoing chorus of fear and ugliness of social media posts about racism and in the election and COVID-19 and everything else that is permeating all of our time. And instead, respond with wisdom and truth and love by sharing with everyone truth that they need to ponder from God's Word, such as Isaiah 43, 1 and 2. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Or 2 Corinthians four seventeen, For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is unseen is temporary and what is since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Listen to me. Every single day, you and I make decisions. And we often make decisions that lead us toward a pile of chaff. Worthless, tasteless, useless stuff. And all you have to do is to freely drift in our culture, and that's who you'll become. But there's another path. It's a path that leads you to becoming like a tree, a tree that is planted by streams of water, a tree that produces fruit in its own season and whose leaves do not wither, and whatever it does prospers, and it passes from generation to generation to generation, and it inspires people, but most importantly, it honors God. You make the choice between tree life and chaff life every single day. And I am calling you today to make a choice to head toward the tree. You guys wanna come forward uh, and help me to close this down. I'd like to ask you all to stand with me while we decide some things together. Let me say something as honestly and sincerely as I know how to say it. At this church, we can sing to you, and we can preach to you, and we can pray for you. But there's one thing we cannot do. We cannot read the Bible for you. And if all the word of God you are getting is what you're getting here on Sunday mornings when you come in, I fear it's not enough. You've got to feed yourself if you want to be a tree. So you've got to pick up your Bible, and you've got to read it because within its pages are the words of life. So you need to pick a time that is good for you, a time that works for you. You need to pick a special place where you can go and study it. Get a Bible app, put it on your smartphone, so it's always there with you. But no matter how or what you do, make time for God's word and meditate on God's word. If you're watching online or if you're in this building today and what I've shared with you this morning, has resonated with you, then it means the Holy Spirit is dealing with you. And I wanna give you an opportunity to either receive Jesus as Lord, to to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, and to become a Christian through salvation. I'm gonna pray, and when I pray, I want you to pray yourself, a prayer of belief in Jesus, a prayer of confession of your faith. The Bible says in order to be saved, you must believe and you must confess. You must believe that Jesus is the Son of God. You must believe that he is the only pathway to eternal life. And you must confess that to him and ask him to, to forgive you of your sin. Ask him to be the Lord of your life and he will cleanse you of all unrighteousness. But if you're already a follower of Jesus and you've already received Jesus as Lord and Savior, you've received salvation, I want to pray for you too. I want to pray that you will begin to focus on becoming more like a tree planted by those, those, the streams of water and less like chaff. I wanna pray that God would open your heart to want more of what he has to offer you. You're just scratching the surface. I wanna pray that your walk with Christ would never be perceived as a burden, where you have all kinds of doubts and fears and wonders, but that it would become something that you cherish and that brings you peace and brings you joy and brings you strength contentment if you want to come down to this altar today feel free to i'm going to pray if you'll all bow your heads with me precious father we thank you for the truth of your word the many parables and illustrations that are given to us that when you break down into the, the the root of them it makes so much sense and they paint a picture and the picture that's been painted this morning god is we're too influenced by our culture. And we're not influenced enough by your word. First of all, I want to pray for those who don't know you. And I pray, God, that you would have, they would have the courage to reach out to you in prayer. Acknowledge who you are. Say that I believe you're the son of God. I believe that you're the only one who can save me. So I give my life to you, Lord. Forgive me of my sin. Make a new creation out of me. And as your word says, let me start a new kind of life. I want a fresh start. Father, that they would pray those words and that they would mean them. And then they would allow us as a church to come alongside of them and help them in their walk as we disciple them through the many different methods and ministries that we have at this church. But Father, I also pray for those of us who already know you. We all live busy lives. We've got things going on from the time we get up to the time we go to bed. And often that squeezes you out of our calendar. We find no time to pray. We find no time to get in your word. And then all we are doing is absorbing the things of our culture by what we see and what we listen to throughout our day. God, would you create in us a heart with a desire to want to fill our spirit and our soul and our mind with the things of God? That we would forsake some of the things that are useless. They're not illegal. They're not wrong. They're useless. And all they're doing is producing chaff in our lives when we want to be a tree that does not wither and bears fruit and everything it does prospers. That's our desire, Lord. Would you soften our hearts to see the truth of today's message? Would you convict us today and every day henceforth when we start falling toward the chaff pile and that we would walk towards becoming a tree that's planted near your living water? and that we would absorb that water, and we would grow, and we would love, and we would express love to our community, and on Facebook, and on every other thing we do, God, that it would, it would just flow with your loving kindness, and your wisdom, and that we would bring hope to all who, who watch and listen. God, I thank you for everyone that's here today, and those who are watching online. I ask a special blessing for them we are living in uncertain times, but the only thing that we know that is certain is you, and your promises found in your word. So Father, let us live by those promises. Let us trust in those promises, and let us seek them out, because there are so many we know nothing of, because we haven't taken the time to read your word. Let it be a life-altering experience for us. Bring us alive, Lord. Help us to be strong. Most importantly, help us to be Christ- like. That is the problem in our nation and in our world today. There aren't enough of us who are Christ-like. When we are Christ-like, we change the environment that we are in. And when the environment changes, so do our actions. Father, help us to be agents of Christ-likeness. I ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen.